Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. International News Review. Now joining us on the phone, Steve Oaken, the senior advisor, McClarty Associates. Steve, uh, welcome to Weekend Mornings. Uh, lots going on in the world, as always. Great to be back, GBZ. Hey, let's talk first about the circuit breaker um, slightly easing here in Singapore starting tomorrow, starting Tuesday, rather. And also in Malaysia, uh, the uh, circuit breaker there, their MCO, has uh, is going to change greatly from Monday. Um, what is this doing for or potentially doing for business and business sentiment around the region as we start to see more economies start to ease up just a little bit on some of the restrictions? You know, when I saw that uh, traditional Chinese man- uh, medicine was going to be opening up on, you know, the 5th for pain management, I was ready to go sign up for acupuncture. <laughs> it, it, and I've never had it in my life. <laughs> so, Just to get out of the house. <laughs> we got something to do. I mean, we've got some openings. And, and, no, only, know, if I, only you could get a bubble tea at the same time, you'd be in heaven, right? <laughs> well, hey, I, you know, and I'm like, I'm getting ready for a haircut on May 12th. Because that's... <laughs> That's the next gate that's going to open up. I, even, even just a little good news, I think, and, 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 which isn't even relevant, right, to most people who don't use acupuncture, still makes people happy because, yeah. boy, we're really looking for something to show that there's, that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And what businesses need to do now is pivot from how do you operate uh, during the lockdown or mm. circuit breaker, depending on what country you're in, the management control order, right? how do you operate in it to how are you going to operate out of it where you're still going to have a lot of restrictions? We are going to have restrictions as a business community probably until there is a, a vaccine, which is you know a year, year and a half away at best. So now we're pivoting from how do you operate uh, today to how are we going to operate going forward? Yeah, indeed. And uh, when we look a little bit closer to home, obviously, these these um, uh, measures so far are, are very, very uh, minor, uh, if I can put it that way, and will continue to be minor really until June, um, even, even the ones on May the 12th that will open up. And do you sense, though, that for business uh, here and around the region that uh, this might put a different sort of uh, perspective on business owners and and workers thinking, okay, now we can actually start planning uh, in a way that we couldn't plan, let's say, a week or two weeks ago for the future. Well, you better start planning. Um, and if you're not, you're going to be you're going to be you know way behind uh, at best. Uh, work from home isn't going anywhere. You know, split shifts are going to continue uh, to some degree. Um, not having co-working spaces uh, or having as many people in a co-working spaces is going to require some people to be working from home that might not have otherwise. What are you going to do in terms of data? What are you going to do in terms of cybersecurity? What are you going to do in terms of, you know, HR practices to make sure people are engaged even when they're not in the office? What are you going to do in terms of, you know, sick leave and all of those things? Businesses are thinking about that, uh, and, and those that aren't have to start thinking about that right away because we are in a new reality. Nothing, you know, June 1, July 1, August 1, it's not going back to what it was before, not until we get a vaccine. And even then, 
you got to be ready for the next uh, pandemic that, that could come. Well, we've seen Hong Kong, of course, in the past couple of weeks now has been a lot, uh, has been moving around a lot more than they have been, including back to uh, some protests uh, happening uh, against the, the Chinese government there. So it, it seems like there anyway, they're, they're starting to kind of uh, find their new, uh, their new normal. That's, no, and I think that's the, 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 right, the right phrase, new normal. It, it, it is going to be a new normal. And what are you going to do if you were in uh, in terms of, of international travel? Are you going to you know are you going to put expats away in, in you know countries like Singapore anymore? Because if you can rely on Zoom or you know Google Hangouts or Microsoft Teams or whatever it is you're going to use, and and you're going to have more video, do you need to have expats? And if you don't have expats in Singapore as much as you did before. What's that going to do to the housing market, that, mm. that little sliver that caters to expats? What's that going to do to the international schools? You know, we have so many international schools now, more than we had a decade ago. Are you going to need all those international schools? I, I mean, the, the ripple effects are people are just even starting to think of what may happen. And it's going to have a profound impact well beyond what you and I can come up with uh, or anybody else can come up with today. Yeah, still very – so many – Many unknowns, many questions uh, to be asked and, and answered, uh, questions to be answered coming up. Uh, let's uh, shift a little bit, uh, go back overseas, go back to North America. Uh, the political season is is taking on some interesting shapes as the U.S. starts to open up. Uh, obviously, there have been everything from protests, gun-toting protests in Michigan uh, to uh, Thunderbird and uh, you know Air Force flyovers over many cities in the U.S., um, how would you how would you categorize the place where the U.S. is at right now, despite the fact that they have you know the most number of actual uh, deaths and and uh, and uh, of COVID nineteen anywhere in the world and and uh, infections as well? I mean, schizophrenic may be the right right mm. word for it because you have a, a lot of people coming together, regardless of party, regardless of where they are in the country, um, to, to fight this thing, because Americans want to unify. Americans come together when there is a crisis. I think a lot of countries do. I don't think this is an American ethos any different than anywhere else. But Americans yeah. typically come together when there's a crisis. They support the leadership. It's happening at the state level, um, be it Democrats or Republicans. You see like librarians who have 3D printers who are churning out, you know, face masks out of their 3D mm. printers to give to healthcare workers. So you see the best of Americans right now, but then you also see the worst of it. And that is the hyper-partisanship. And you see where you have, um, you know, a, a Democratic governor in Michigan um, who is trying to really follow the Singapore model in a way, or the South Korea model, the Hong Kong model, really trying to lock things down and get the, you know, infection rate down. And then you have the, you know, the, the, the far right, you know, Second Amendment absolutists marching into the state capitol with automatic weapons. It's incredible to see how, how awful that is. Uh, at the same time, you have such heartwarming stories of Americans coming together, you know, people traveling to New York from all over the country to help out with healthcare workers. And you're going to see this play out, you know, in the election, and you're going to see it play out after the election, this, this um and this hyper-partisan world we live in in the, in the United States. You know, I had several Singaporean friends over the last few days reach out to me as we were talking online and on the phone and, and asking me specifically what happened in Michigan. It, did people with, you know, with military-style assault weapons 
actually go into the state house uh, with those weapons on their person while uh, the legislators were in session. And, uh, you know, sheepishly, I had to say, yeah, that's the kind of world <laughs> that's kind of the world the U.S. lives in right now and has for quite some time. Um, when you look at incidents like that uh, and, you know, rights aside, um, what does that say about the, the place that, you know, America not only is in right now, but ne- potentially is going to go to uh, as things only get more heated in an election year? Well, I mean, it, it, it's there were two different issues. One is that it's the lack of trust. Where did where did we get to the point where you couldn't even pass a law? that says no weapons are allowed in a government building in, in a state like Michigan. Mm-hmm. And that's because the, the right wing believes that the left wing wants to take away their rights. And that if you pass a law that says no assault weapons or, or, or no rifles in the state capitol, the next thing, they'll outlaw all guns, which is... Um, and so they fight everything. And there's just that lack of trust uh, between, you know, the two sides and certainly between the gun lobby uh, and, and the rest where you can't get common sense gun legislation. Um, hopefully we'll try this will wake some people up to say we've got to have some type of controls. But that lack of trust uh, is most evident in those pictures. But that goes well beyond um, just the gun issue. Yeah. Uh, Joe Biden is in a hot kind of situation right now. There is a a woman, Tara Reid, who is accusing him of of sexual uh, abuse um, years and years ago. And now, of course, we're getting into the political season. And this story is is has been surfaced a a number of months ago, actually over a year ago, uh, but now is coming back. Uh, Where what do we know about this particular accusation in this particular thing. Uh, even Donald Trump has come out and said that Joe Biden should fight these accusations, which I find uh, quite interesting. Um, but where are we right now with, with Joe Biden and his uh, presidential bid? Well, the, the two issues that Biden had to balance is that, one, the Democrats have always come out with the mantra you know, especially in the in the Me Too era, you have to you you have to, if not believe an accuser of of uh, of a powerful figure when it comes to sexual assault or sexual harassment, you have to at least listen to them and investigate it. And um, they have the Democrats have used that same thing against Trump, you know, and against Kavanaugh and against other. Uh, Republican uh, officials. And so now when it comes out against the Democrat, you you get you have to balance it a bit more. And so Biden was afraid, I think, of, you know, going out and being more forceful and denying the allegation. Um, but he should have. And I mean, I think he, he he found his right voice and he did the right thing, which he said, we li- we need to listen to what she said. I am ordering the Senate um, and the, the keeper of the records in the United States to search for a complaint that she says she filed 27 years ago. Mm. And let's see if she filed a complaint and let's see what's in it. Um, and I think that is the right thing for him to, to do. He should have done it before, um, you know, to answer it, um, sit down, answer questions and make that offer to say, I have nothing to hide. Um, and then you can contrast that with Trump, where Trump is saying, see, Biden's no different than I am because he got all these false accusations against her. Uh, but, but 
Biden says, I'm an open. I don't have any NDAs. I didn't pay anybody off. I'm mm. not hiding any records. Go find them. I want it to be completely open. So I think at the end, this was not going to matter in the campaign at all. But I don't know why it took Biden as long as it as he did to make that offer and to sit down and take the questions. Yeah, very interesting. All right. Well, that story is nowhere near being over, so I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about that in the future. Um, Steve, I think you have uh, you have something coming up this week as well, right? A um, an online session. Yeah, I have a couple. One for the uh, American Chamber of Commerce, and then uh, another one for the American Club. And it's really to uh, to talk a little bit about politics, of course, and give an update of where we are and. I'm going to be joined on the one at uh, AmCham with my co-author uh, for the Straits Times, uh, Thurgood Marshall Jr. And one of the things that we're following is what are the nightmare scenarios when it comes to the election? And if you think about it, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, won by almost three million votes. Joe Biden is on track to win by more than that in the popular vote. But what happens if the race is so close in a couple key electoral states? like a Florida or like an Ohio, um, that it goes to a recount and that Mm. the governors who are Republicans control the machinery that does the recount, the same as the Republicans did in Florida in 2000 when when Bush uh, beat Gore in that one state. So could you imagine that Biden wins by millions of votes, but where you have essential ties in two states, (laughs) those two states swing to Trump because the mm. Republicans are in control of the process. Mm. Um, and again, not that they would cheat necessarily, but you can structure the rules in a way yeah. to advantage one side over the other, um, even in a transparent way, but the rules really matter. What will happen to the country then? Oh, so, so we're, 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 we may talk a little bit about what we're, you know, kind of the nightmare scenarios as we, as we, as we, Steve, as we head Steve, towards the Steve, election. Steve, I, I, I got to ask you, Steve, don't we have enough anxiety in our world today <laughs> with you guys not having to bring up this scenario as well? Well, I'll give you, even, I'll give you another one. And so then what happens? So the president is not the president anymore after January 20th. The new president comes in. Sure. So if these recounts are going on, and it's all tied up in litigation, um, and uh, the Democrats keep the House, then Nancy Pelosi becomes president. <laughs> <laughs> and then it really gets interesting across you, the you land, doesn't it? People up on, you want to spin people up on the right, just say President Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Steve Oaken, so, Senior Advisor, McLarty Associates, thanks so much for being with us this morning on Money FM. My pleasure, GBZ. <laughs> To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.